want you to take your Bibles, turn to me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to talk about the spirit world again tonight. Uh, before Christmas, we spent one night talking about the unholy side of the spirit world. We talked about a Jezebel spirit. And a lot of people told me that really spoke to them about things going on in their lives. Well, tonight we're going to shift gears and look at the other side. This is the fun side tonight. I get to talk about my angel friends tonight a little bit. And I, I, am, I love angels. I believe in them angels. They have saved my hide no few times. And they are wonderful. But we want to talk tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm, have you ever heard this phrase, this term right here? A biblical worldview. You ever heard that? Let me, let me tell you, there's a popular phrase out there, books written on it. Matter of fact, the teachers in our school are studying a book about a biblical worldview right now. I think the book comes up a little short. But a biblical worldview is where you learn to view the world through the Bible. You begin to see the world around you differently. You begin to see it through God's eyes. Uh, in other words, you begin to see it the way God sees it. And every believer needs to develop that. It, nothing, in, nothing on this planet will make sense until you see the world through God's eyes. Now, he, he's not a minor leaguer reserved for Sunday mornings. He created the whole thing. You'll never understand this planet till you see it through his eyes. And the, uh, numerous places in the Bible talk about this. 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4 talk about it. But we're going to look at one verse tonight that pins down a biblical worldview. And it's verse 14. The scripture says this in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 18. Let's read this together, 2 Corinthians 4, 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, can you see that there are two, there's a, there's a visible world and there's an invisible world? What is it called the invisible realm right there? Things that are not seen. What do we call the physical, visible world that's got the planet, trees, people, groceries? What do we call that? Those are the things that are seen. That's the physical world. And we live in a physical world. Do you understand there's a spirit world around the physical world? The Bible said there's an unseen world. And we call that the spirit realm or the spirit world. But don't you notice what the scripture said right there? What does it mean we do not look at the things which are seen, the physical world, but we focus our attention on the invisible world. Can you see that? I mean, that, that, if the Bible says we look at the things that are not seen, explain that to me. How you go look at something that's not seen? Simply means that we've learned to focus on the things that other people can't see. And there's a spirit world around us. <clears throat> this is where it talks about it. And there are two realms in this world. Now, uh, there's only one way that you'll have any knowledge. Most people go through life totally oblivious to the fact that there's a spirit world all around us. There are spirit beings in this room right now. This room's full of them right now. And people live their lives oblivious to this. These are people who have a limited worldview that they only believe what they see exists. They don't believe there's anything in the invisible realm out there. But what the Bible say? Believers have to learn to look into the invisible world. We have to pay attention to that world. So, well, <laughs> all right, let me, let me just answer a question. People would say, well, how can I look at it if it's not seen? Well, the Bible said there's two ways you can look into that invisible world. One is the Holy Spirit of God can show it to you. The other is the Bible can show it to you. 
Do you believe if God Almighty were to touch your eyes and open your eyes and you could see into the spirit realm around you, you think you'd go, golly. Come here, Martha. Let me show that to you in Scripture just a little bit. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. I want you to come away with the awareness tonight. There is a world all around you that you can't see. There's active, listen, the spirit world is very active. It's active all around you. You will never explain the insanity on this planet apart from understanding the spirit realm. The stuff going on right now doesn't even make sense anymore. 2 Kings chapter 6 is a wonderful passage. Uh, there was a, a prophet by the name of Elisha. He had a little helper. His assistant's name was Gehazi. He gets up one morning early, goes out the front door to get the Jerusalem Times or whatever. And he is shocked uh, at what he sees. Verse 15 of 2 Kings 6. The servant of the man of God arose early, went out. There was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. His servant said to him, Alas, my master, what should we do? The word alas in the Bible means we're doomed. He goes out to get the paper. He looks up and there's an entire army standing there and it's an enemy army. So he hollers back in the house, you need to come out here. Alas means we're, we're doomed. What are we going to do? All right, you got it? He sees in the natural realm here. All right, and Elijah, Elisha answers him, verse 16. He said, do not fear. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So Elisha walks out there and he sees what Gehazi sees. He said, well, you don't need to be afraid. There's more on our side than their side. And the little fella looks out there and he sees thousands. And he goes, one, two. <laughs> what is the old preacher talking about here? All right, watch what happens here. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You got it? So he's looking in the physical world, just him and this old preacher. And there are thousands of warriors and they've come to kill Elisha. They've come to capture him. And he is scared and he says, we're in trouble. Elisha prays, said, what did it mean to open his eyes? Let him see into the hidden realm. Let him look in the spirit world. God opens his eyes and he sees the angels of God with flaming swords and chariots all around them. How many of you think that might have changed his heart a little bit? How many think he stuck his chest out after he saw that? Sort of like a, you want, you want some of this type? What happened right there? Now, I want you a question. Listen to me. Did those mighty angels appear at that moment or were they there the whole time? What happened to him? God just let him see into the spirit realm. Got it? You know, there's a spirit realm all around us like that that we can't see into, but if God were to show it to you, you'd go, whoa, look at this stuff. Let me show you one where it's really cool. Turn, uh, really wonderful. Sorry, I mean to say cool in church. Wonderful. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 17 in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 17. This is one of the greatest glimpses into the spirit world that is all around us all the time. Matthew chapter 17, this is, uh, it's called the passage about the transfiguration. Matthew chapter 17, first book in the New Testament, verse 1. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led up on a high mountain by themselves. So he says to the three friends, he says, we're going to go pray. So he said, let's go up on the mountain. So they get up on the mountain and they led him up there on the mountain. And you, you know who Jesus was. Verse 2, Jesus was changed or transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun. What happened? 
See, they saw Jesus in the natural. God opened the eyes of their heart. They let them see the beauty and the glory of Christ the way you'd see him in the spirit world. All right, look at what else they saw. Verse 3. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with Jesus. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If you go back and read Moses and Elijah, Moses has been dead for 800 years. What's going on here? And maybe know that those that people don't die. Bodies fall over. Did Moses and Elijah drop down all of a sudden and they see them? They were there the whole time. That the glory of Christ is like that all the time. But you see, we see in the physical realm, but in the spirit world, this is the kind of stuff you see that's around us all. There's an entire spirit world. And what did the Bible say? We focus on that world you can't see in naturally. Now, why do we focus on the world you can't see in naturally? I want to go back and quote 2 Corinthians 4.18 again. Because what you can see with your eyes is temporary. What you can't see in the spirit realm is eternal. This is the eternal world versus the temporal. I've heard people say, well, when, when them kids get out of that Christian school and they get out in the real world, what are they going to do then? So that's the real world. So what is the Christian world? The falsy world? Why? No, it's not real and false. It's temporary and eternal. This body you're looking at right here, this is temporary. The soul and the heart and the personality that's speaking to you right now, it is eternal. And we've got to learn to distinguish between the temporary and the eternal. The only way you can see in the spirit realm is for him to show you. Or what's the other way we can see into the spirit realm? We can all do this. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Do you believe, as the psalmist said, the entrance to thy word gives light? The Lord gives understanding. The Bible is the revelation of the universe. It's the revelation of every question of life. I want to see if you can see into the spirit realm in this passage in Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to capture the magnitude of this passage. In Ephesians chapter 6, now this is, who's Ephesians written to, do you know? It's written to the church. It's not written to pagans, it's written to the church. It's written to the children of God, the body of Christ. And I want you to look at what he says to the people of God. The Bible said this, um, says, let's be in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the who? I don't believe there's a devil. You know why I don't believe in him? I've never seen him. Let's deal with a question right here. Do you have to see it for it to be real? Are you telling me there's some things that are real that you can't see? Now you understand. Now watch this. Verse 12. We do not, our struggle in life is not against flesh and blood. What's that? Things you can see, people. Our struggle in life is against principalities, powers, the controllers of the darkness of this age, spirit beings of wickedness in the atmosphere. What did the Bible say right there? If you could see into the spirit realm, you would see that there are spiritual beings all around you that are malevolent. Can you tell they're malevolent? In other words, they're not good. And are you in a battle with these spirit beings in this spirit realm? How you know? You ever seen one? What does the Bible say? The Bible shows us into the spirit world. And it shows us what goes on in the world around us so we can understand what's happening around us. Now, let me, let me say this. In the spirit, uh, the, these two sides of our, our existence, which are the physical world and the spirit world, the spirit world dominates the physical world. It's not the other way around. The physical world doesn't dominate the spirit world. The spirit world directs the physical world on both sides of it. Let me quote to you the scriptures about this. 
All right, for instance, I'm, I'm a flesh and blood man. I live a life. I, I've got a home I live in. I go to work. I go to church. I love people. That's the physical world. You can see me do that in. But there's something invisible that directs my life and runs my life. Romans 8, 14 tells us this. As many as are directed or led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. I want my physical life to be directed by something you can't see. I want my physical life where I go, the way I treat people, the way I talk to people, the way I live, I want it to be ordered out of the spirit world. Does the Holy Spirit live in the spirit realm? The answer is yes. Is he invisible? The invisible world runs the physical world. Now, I think we knew that right there. Not many people know what I'm fixing to show you. It works the same way on the other side too. We're there in uh, Ephesians. Turn to chapter 2 in Ephesians. Now, I'm going to show you a verse that... that uh, creates a lot of conflict and a lot of people struggle with it, but you just look at it and let's let the word of God stand on its own two feet here. Ephesians chapter two, we'll read two verses here. And you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now watch verse two, how we used to live in which you once lived according to the course of this world. How many of you lived according to the course of this world? In other words, you just did what the people around you did. How many of you got a job, you know, bought the house, ate the Cheerios, watched the TV show. We just lived like everybody else lived. That's the course of this world. We lived according to the course of this world, according to the what? Prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now operates in the sons of disobedience. Is Ephesians 2.2 telling me that there is an unseen power, a dark power running the lives of people who are disobedient to God? Can you see it? The spirit realm dictates the visible realm. And it works in the visible realm. It works on the good and the, the ugly side. Now, let me, let me teach you something here. If my worldview rejects the spirit world, I am very limited in what I can do in this planet. Matter of fact, I'm clueless. But the leaders of our land, the leaders of our nation, they live with a very limited worldview which rejects the spirit world. All right, let me give you some for instances. <clears throat> You, you can't fix something unless you, as the Bible says, you have to lay the ax to the root of the problem. You know what that means? If you've got a problem, you have to deal with it at its source. Would you agree with that? Do we have a problem with poverty in this nation? Sure we do. I was a boy when President Lyndon Johnson declared the war on poverty and we're going to eradicate poverty in this nation. Have we done it? Worst than we've ever been. Why have we not fixed the war on poverty? Poverty is not a financial problem. It's a spiritual problem. And we're not dealing with it at a spiritual level. There is a spirit of poverty. Poverty is directed from the spirit world. And until you go in the spirit world, you're not going to fix it in the visible world. Well, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Do you have a problem with crime in our nation? We incarcerate more people than any nation in the world. Do you have a problem with crime in this nation? Why can't we fix it? Crime is a spiritual problem. There are spirits of murder, spirits of rape, spirits of violence. And we're dealing with it on the physical, visible, you know, lock them up, tell them to be nice. I can remember one, when a government official, when the, those uh, ISIS demon-possessed madmen sawed the heads off those Coptic Christians, and the, this government official said it's because they don't have jobs. If they had jobs, they wouldn't be like this. Job is not the root right there. That's darkness. But we're trying to deal with spirit problems in a physical way. 
and it's not working out. Let me, uh, let me throw in one here. How about addictions? Are addictions psychological, emotional, physical? The spirit realm dictates addictions. I, I've, I've had people say, why don't they just, if they know drugs are bad for them, why don't they just quit it? <laughs> my goodness, my goodness. It's a spiritual problem. Don't you think if somebody knows they're killing themselves, don't you think they'd quit if they could? There are spirits of addiction that dictate people's lives. Here's the point. The spirit world drives the physical world. And until you deal with it in the spirit world, you're not going to fix it. You know, many other areas. Many of the mental and emotional maladies we try to deal with today are spiritual. Do we have international conflict going on right now? Is the Middle East a mess? Why don't we fix it? That goes all the way back to Abraham. And he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So it is now. That's a spiritual problem over there. And you, you, can't, you can't nuke a devil. You, can shoot, you shoot right through him. It don't even hurt him. It's a spiritual problem. And until we learn to deal with it that way, we'll never deal with them. Now, let me say this. There are two ditches in this thing. You and I as believers, born-again believers, we live in both worlds. I live in the physical world. I go fishing. I, I love baseball. I love chicken pie. I watched the sunset tonight. It was beautiful. I listened to music. I live in the physical world. But I've got another foot in the spirit world. And I walk with God. God is in the spirit world. And I have to do business in the spirit world. And there's two ditches on this thing. I, I know a lot of believers who are so in the physical that they discount the spiritual. Can't do that. And then I know some believers who are so obsessed with angels and demons and all this stuff that you can't get them to go eat cheeseburgers with you. You know, they want to cast the devil out to catch it bottle and mess like that. And you st- we live in both worlds. You've got to function in both worlds. I asked a guy a while back, I said, you thirsty? He said, I'm thirsty for the living water, brother. I said, I'm talking about Diet Coke, Doc. Knock it off. Here's the deal. We live in both worlds. What did the Bible say? We live in a visible world and we live in an invisible world, not seen world. But we better pay attention to that world. As 2 Corinthians 4.18 said, we look at that world to understand this. You'll never understand this world until you understand that world. And we've got to walk in both of them like that to be taken care of. Now, let me say this. The spirit world has two sides to it. Listen to me. Only two sides. There are not four sides in the spirit world. There are not seven. There are not many streams. There are only two sides in the spirit world. And no verse shows us that better than Colossians chapter 1. Verse 13, turn to your right a little bit to Colossians chapter 1. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's where we see both sides of the spirit world. When you get born again and you begin to follow Jesus, something happens to you. You don't just get your name written down in heaven. Something happens to you in the spirit realm if you're born again. And here's what happens in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. It talks about how we've been born again and the Father saved us. Verse 13 He has delivered us from the what? Does it say power of darkness? Are you telling me there was a power operating in my life where I came to Jesus and its name is darkness? He has delivered me from the power or the kingdom of darkness and kingdom is power and transferred me or conveyed me into the kingdom of the son of his love. There's only two powers in the spirit realm. 
One is the power of darkness or the kingdom of darkness. The other is the kingdom of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of light. And that's the only two sides in there. When I was born again, my heavenly father took me out from underneath the authority of the power of darkness and he placed me as a citizen of the kingdom of light in the spirit world. I didn't even know what was going on. Nobody ever taught me this stuff, but I was born again. I didn't just get my name written down in heaven. A new king took over. A new ruler in the spirit realm took over in my life when I let him. No few times have I let the old darkness come back in and rule. But ultimately, we want to be ruled by the power of light. And there's only two sides or sources in that world. Now, I want you to, let me say this. That's a very, I'm going to say it again. It's a very active realm around us everywhere we go. If you could see in the spirit realm, you'd just stand out in a public place. You'd go to Walmart and go, good gosh almighty. <laughs> Look at that, Martha. God, I mean, any place people are, there's spirit activity. And we looked a few weeks ago at Jezebel, the activity of the dark side, and that's the demonic. But let me tell you something. On the light side, you have the activity of the Holy Spirit of God and angels. And they operate on the light side. And listen, they're, they're myriads. They're active. I want you to... Uh, Let's consider, let's talk about, I want to talk about angels for just a minute. I love angels. And the angels operate in light the way the demonic does in darkness. They're the same source. They were all followers created by God as servants at one time. And a demon spirit today used to be an angel in God's kingdom. They, Revelation chapter 12 said that there was a war in heaven. And uh, Lucifer, who was an archangel rebelled against God's throne and he led one third of God's angels to rebel with him and they were cast out of heaven. They're fallen angels and we call them the demonic realm and they're spirit beings. But if one third of the angels fell and they became demons, how many angels does that leave? Somebody do the math real quick. There are two powers of light, two angels for every demon in the earth. And you know, sometimes in our thinking we see this huge dark cloud. There's a huge cloud of light out there too. Those are the angels of God that minister in and around us over here. I want to talk to you about angels for just a minute. How many of you believe that every person has a personal angel? Since the day I was born in the Catholic hospital in Charlotte till the day he hands me off in glory, he's been right beside me. Been right there the whole time. I want you to see that in scripture. I want you to know you've got a personal angel. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1 and let's look at a couple of scriptures about angels. I think everybody in here has probably heard of angels. But angels don't get much press. You don't hear about them much. And they do not like to be the subject of attention. Their constant word is, don't look at me, worship God. But I want you to look at angels for just a minute with me tonight and see what the Bible says about them. All right, an angel, let's, let's look in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13. The Father speaking. To which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till you make, till I make your enemies your footstool? And what the Bible's saying there, he said that to Jesus. When Jesus was resurrected and he went back to heaven, he said, you sit right here at my right hand till the day comes when I'm going to make your enemies your footstool and you'll prop your feet on your enemies. But he didn't say it to angels. He said it to Jesus. Now here's a verse about angels. Verse 14. Are they not all angels ministering spirits? sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. How many of you are going to inherit salvation? How many of you are born again? All right, what is an angel then? Ministering spirit. Don't think of minister like Brother Brown's a minister. The word minister in the New Testament is the word servant. 
It's literally translated most of the time the word servant, sometimes minister. So an angel is a servant. What does it mean sent forth? Assigned. Angels are spirit beings assigned to who? Who are they assigned to? People who will inherit salvation. And what is an angel's responsibility in that verse? They're sent forth to do what? Serve. It says minister, but that means serve. So the Bible says there are angels assigned to people and their responsibility is to serve the people that will inherit salvation. And there are myriads of them. Uh, let me show you, uh, let, me, let me help you on this a little bit further. Turn with me to Psalm 34. One of the great words about angels. Now listen, I love angels. They're, they're just, they're wonderful. My angel's with me all the time. He's in here right now. I don't know whether he's standing up here with me or whether, I don't know where he's at, but he's in here right now. He's probably standing right back here. If you could see in the spirit realm, you'd see him standing right there. Probably, I mean, I don't know where he's at right now, but he's right here and he can hear me talking right now. And if you could see in the spirit realm, you'd see him standing there watching me. And his job is to take care of me and serve me and look after me and he'd be watching you. On occasion, if you could see him while I'm up here talking, you'd see him lean over and, talk and say something to me. I mean, you wouldn't hear it. I wouldn't hear it with these ears. I'd hear it right here. And, and the way you'd know he's talking to me, I'd go, Phew. I'm going to show you that in Scripture. All right, the Bible said this in Psalm 34, Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear God and does what? All right, what's the requirement to have an angel with you? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who? It simply means to honor the Lord. It doesn't mean to be afraid of him. It means to honor God. How many of you honor God? What does the Bible say? What does in camps mean? If you say in camp, we're going to set up camp here, it means we're going to stay here. The angel of the Lord stays around those who fear the Lord, and what does he do for them? Does he deliver them? Have you ever seen an angel? Who cares? It's not looking at the things that are seen. Psalm 34, 7, you are looking at the things not seen. I want to ask you a question. Just because you've never seen him, does that mean he's not there? No. No, a thousand times no. I've never seen Jesus. You want me to stop believing in him? I've never seen heaven. I can't even tell you where it's at. I can tell you how to get there. <laughs> I've never seen Jesus. I've never seen the Father. I've never seen the Holy Spirit. But us hurt, this heart's hurt him a thousand times. I've never seen an angel, but he is right here. And he is camped around me, and he delivers me. He takes care of me. Let me show you, let me show you one of my favorites. Turn to the right a little bit to Psalm 91. This is one of those great passages about angels. I'm going to tell you in a minute about what they do. Listen, I, I, I remember going into Stuckey's. Do you remember Stuckey's? Traveled the highways years ago. You, old, you young people don't have Stuckey's. They were replaced by truck stops. Stuckey's is where you stopped and you traveled. You'd go in there and have these little fat porcelain angels, big bellied things, you know, little statues, little wings, couldn't have lifted a hummingbird. And they'd be playing a little harp. What a pathetic excuse for an angel. are warriors. They're spirit beings. But if you ever do see one, God will give them a form and that form will tell you what that particular angel does. Angels don't have forms. They're spirit beings. I've had no few people tell me in here after a Sunday morning service or whatever that they saw angels on the stage up here. Sometimes during worship, sometimes when I was up here, you say, man, man, you really think they're there? Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't go by what people see. What does that book say? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Psalm 91 is one of those great places. 
Psalm 91 says, let's read a few verses here. Psalm 91 verse 9 says this, Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Now let's pause for a second here. Verse 9 said, if I will do something, I will be taken care of. Can you see it clearly? What do I have to do in verse 9 to be taken care of and protected? Verse 9 says, I have to make the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, my what? Dwelling place. I got to stay with God. I got to walk with him. Verse 1 explains it well. The Bible said this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I have to stay somewhere. I have to stay under God's authority. I have to stay close to Him. And if I stay close to Him, I'm taken care of. And I want you to see why in verse 11 of Psalm 91. Because He will give His angels charge over you to keep you in what? Does it say all your ways? How can they keep you in all your ways if they're not with you at all times? Why do angels take care of me in all my ways? What does it say in that verse? Because God told them to do it. God commanded them, go with that boy. Take care of him in every way he goes. And they've been given charge to guard me and to guard the people that walk with God. Protect them to keep you in all your ways. Verse 12, in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. What do you see there? God commands angels to walk with me every step. Protect the boy, take care of him, hold him in your hands. And that's what they do. Listen, they're servants. Who, listen, they serve to me, but they actually obey God. They serve God to look after me and you, and they take care of you. That's what they do is to care for us. Let me show you one more about angels. Turn me to Matthew chapter 18 about personal angels. Matthew chapter 18. This is where Jesus himself speaks about angels. And angels have the ability to move between two worlds. They move between the spirit, spirit realm around us and the visible realm. But in Matthew 18, Jesus said this about angels. Look in Matthew chapter 18, I believe it's verse 10. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. Does that mean children? It means God's people. Don't despise God's people. Because what? Don't despise one of these little ones. I say to you in heaven, their angels always behold the face of my Father. Then as angels serve me and care for me, but who are they always focused on? They're always focused on the face of God. But what does it mean, their angels? That means I've got one, and if you follow Jesus, you've got one too. And they're always, they're always focused on God. That's the focus of their lives. But they're here to serve us and care for us and take care of us. Now, let me tell you what I've seen in Scripture. I won't take time to look. I'm going to teach you this. <clears throat> Why do angels care so much about me? Do angels not know what a... What a struggle I am to take care of. Do they not know how much I goof up? Do they not know how I do not deserve this kind of care? That doesn't mean, listen, angels look at me and smile. Angels weep when you suffer. Why? It's, now, they do care about you. I don't know that you can, I can't prove in scriptures that an angel loves you. They care about you. Why? Because angels see the way the Father looks at you. Angels are always looking at the way the Father looks at you. When an angel asks in Scripture, what is man that you are so mindful of? What is man that you can't get him off your mind? And when angels see the way that the Father stares at you because they love God so much, they're so committed to take care of you. They adore God. That's why they worship Him all the time. And angels take care of us because of their love for God and their affection toward us that they looked after us for. Now, let me tell you some of the things that personal angels do. Obviously, number one, we've seen where they protect. 
you have no idea what you've been spared from. You, you, you have no idea. They don't have to send you a note every time they do something. They don't, have, they don't leave their, their business cards. Angel was here. Some, there are many places in Scripture. Do you remember when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den? The king got up the next morning and said, Are you safe? And Daniel said, Relax, O king. said, My God whom I serve sent his angel. And they shut the mouths of the lion and I'm safe. He sent an angel and that angel stood between Daniel and those lions all night long and made sure he wasn't hurt. He's done the same thing to you. All through scripture, you see places like that. Do you remember the man Lot? Lot was a righteous man who was still goofed up. He went where he shouldn't have gone for, for the wrong reason. But the Bible said that angels came in and took care of Lot. And when, when hateful people tried to kill him, it said the angels reached out and pulled him inside the door and protected him. And then the angels took Lot and his wife by the hands and said, we're getting you out of this city. And they had to tug on him a little bit. I think the angel might have kicked Lot in the pants to get him out of there. And it was angels that delivered Lot from destruction. All through scriptures, you see cases like that where it happened. Simon, you remember when Simon got locked in jail by Herod? And Herod was going to bring him out and kill him the next day. And at night, he was asleep. You have been told you're going to be killed tomorrow and you're snoring? Talk about a man got the peace of God on him. And he, the angel came in and opened the prison doors, took his chains off of him, led him out of the jail into the streets and turned him loose. That's what angels do. They, they just protect. You have no idea how many times he has moved the car out of your way. How many times he's done things for you and, and just protected you from, and not just physical. Angels protect us emotionally. I, I think, uh, I'm convinced, I prayed for my children since before they were born. There's no few times that an angel took and put his eyes over my young, his hand over my young's eyes. I'm not just talking about for the filthy. I think when some dumb goober that I'd want coming home with my girls, I think he just covered dry and said, don't even look over there. <laughs> they protect us at the spirit level. They protect us well. Angels provide for us. Do you remember we read... Uh, Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that an, it was an angel that brought Elijah food and brought him water and took care of him there. But let me tell you one of the favorite things angels do. Angels talk to people. Now you won't hear it with your ear. Angels touch us at heart level, which is what it means they talk to us. And angels speak wisdom and encouragement. Have you ever, do you remember an old, anybody remember an old song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine? There's a verse in that song goes like this. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy and whispers of love. Angels speak to your heart and you don't even know it. There's times I, I wake up in the night a lot and all of a sudden just the presence of God just flooded with God and things will come into my mind that just light me up. That no doubt is my angel speaking to me. I'm, I don't know why he's got to do it at 4 a.m. It's fine by me. He can talk whenever he wants to. But angels talk to us. One of the great places in this, Acts chapter 27, when they were all fixing to die, and Paul said, take heart, man, I want you to be encouraged. Last night, an angel of my God stood by me and told me, nobody's going down this ship, and we're all going to be fine. Be encouraged, man. And God sends messages through angels back and forth. He touches their hearts with it. Have you ever been in a place where you, you, just, you were in a very difficult place, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, on the inside, hope just rose up, and you said, we're going to be all right. That may have been the angel of God just speaking to you. He speaks to our heart. He's a spirit being. He speaks to our spirits, not our ears. And you can hear him with your heart as he speaks to us in that regard. All right, now there are worshiping angels. Angels do nothing. They, they are enamored with God. 
and they worship God. Uh, let me quote a familiar passage to you. Luke chapter 2. And there was with the angel a multitude of angels singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. They worship God tremendously. If you want to see angels really worship God, the greatest place in the Bible, look sometime Revelation chapters 4 and 5. That's where you go into the very throne room of God and you see how angels passionately worship God. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah said the whole place was shaken with angels singing, holy, holy, holy. Angels just worship God passionately. And the Bible teaches you and I that, uh, that when, when we worship, angels get involved with our worship. I've, I've seen angels worship with us in here before. Not, not faces and wings and swords on the side, but I've seen light and I've seen the angels of God and in the spirit just sense of they worship it. Listen, they live to worship God. And I think worship lights angels up. Now, let me throw in something here real quick. Some folks have gone overboard. They've started worshiping angels. No, no. Angels are grieved if you ever give them attention. They don't want any attention. They want it all to go to God. Let me show you one of the verses about that in Revelation. Turn to the last chapter in the Bible. Revelation chapter 22. You know, you got angel clubs and all these people chasing angels and angel sightings. Don't do that mess. Let's let an angel tell us what we ought to do here. I'm telling you, if our enemy can just get us off one degree, he'll mess everything up. In Revelation chapter 22, now you remember Revelation is where John got a what? A revelation. Who gave it to him? Right, let me quote. Revelation chapter 1. I'm just going to quote this. You look in Revelation 22. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, which he sent and sanctified by his angel. To his servant John. It was actually delivered, the book of Revelation was actually delivered by an angel to John. But in Revelation 22, John is interacting with this angel that's showing him this stuff. And John gets so excited about this angel, he just bows down and starts worshiping this angel. And he, he fell and began to worship this angel and, and praise him. Now that's in verse 8. I, John, saw and heard these things. I heard and saw. I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, Do not do that. I'm your fellow servant of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. What did the angel say? You worship God. Don't bow down and worship me. Now, I'll help you, and I'm here to serve you, but I don't want you. Matter of fact, angels are embarrassed that you focus on them. Do you understand? Angels don't have human personalities. Therefore, they don't have egos. Therefore, they don't need attention. They live to do one thing, glorify God and serve Him. That's why they don't like attention. Uh, but if you say, well, why are you talking about them then? <laughs> Because the Bible tells me to preach the word. And this Bible is full of angels. Plus, you need to know, and there's another reason you need to know this. We need to know what the scripture teaches about the spirit world. And we need to look in that world. And uh, so we honor him like that. All right. There are also, let me give you a few more. There are messenger angels sent to bring specific messages. Jesus' life was saved as a baby by a messenger angel that came to Joseph and said, take Mary to be your wife. That same angel came back later and said, get out of Dodge, son. They're going to kill this boy, run to Egypt. And that messenger angel, you say, I've never had a messenger angel. Yes, you have. Have you ever had an idea that was good, that worked? Now, if you had a bad idea, that was not an angel. Have you ever had an idea that was just the right thing to do? How do you know that wasn't the angel of God that put that thought in there, that spoke to you and said, do this and move in that direction and... Uh, of course, Revelation 1, I've already quoted. Let me give you one more type of angel. These are, these are the 
big dogs. They're the warring angels. They make great war. Uh, the number one warring angel in the universe is a guy named Michael. And Michael, Revelation 12, 7, there was war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon of his angels and the, angel, the dragon and his angels did not prevail. And Michael is the warring angel that leads battle. Do you understand there's a conflict around us? There's a battle going on in the spirit realm. I want to show you one of the greatest passages, and this applies to our nation and, and to what we do right now. Turn with me to the book of Daniel. And let's look at warring angels here. Uh, look at Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, uh, Lamentations. Throw Lamentations in there right behind Ezekiel. In the book of Daniel, chapter 10, now, nowhere in the Bible does it teach that you and me can tell angels what to do. We can't command angels and tell them what to do. But I want, you, I want to show you in here how you can move angels and you can release them for your benefit. And it's in this passage in Daniel chapter 10. Right, Daniel chapter 10 is a great passage. Daniel's going through a difficult time. His nation's being destroyed. He's been captured. And he decides because his nation's suffering, he's going to begin to pray. And he's in great agony. He's praying, he's fasting, he's seeking God. And all of a sudden, Mr. Clean is standing in front of him. And this angel shows up and it scares everybody so bad. They didn't see him, but they ran from what they felt. Daniel saw him and he said, I fell down like a dead man. Does that sound like some little fat thing sitting on a stucky shelf to you playing a harp? <laughs> Daniel had already come out of the lion's den. He wasn't scared of nothing. And he sees this angel and he said, I just fell down and quit breathing. He was that powerful. And the angel touches him and raises him up. Verse 10, Daniel 10, 10. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. So where's he at now? Now he's up on his hands and knees, just overwhelmed by the presence of this angel. And this angel said to me, oh, Dan, Daniel, what man greatly beloved? What's the first thing that angel told him? You have no idea how much God loves you. You are greatly beloved of God, son. Oh, man, and the, well, this is a Hebrew translation into English. Greatly beloved, understand the words I speak to you and stand upright. I've now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood up trembling. He said to me, do not fear, Daniel. From the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. I have come because of your words. Did Daniel tell the angel what to do? No. Daniel prayed for his nation, and the moment he began to pray, God dispatched his angel. And because of his prayers, this angel was turned loose. Do you pray for your kids? Do you pray for your family? You need to pray, Father, protect our family, bless our family, let your spirit, thy kingdom come on your family. Can you see in Scripture out there where the angel said, the moment you began to pray, God sent me to come and see you and to help you. Now watch what happens here, though. But, verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. What happened? Now this, I don't understand this, but I can't, I can't give you a picture, sort of a stratosphere picture. God Almighty dispatches this mighty angel to come help Daniel, but a demon spirit, a demon principality called the ruler of Persia or the prince of Persia stops him. And he stands him off and he withholds him. So you've got these two angels, a great angel and an evil angel. They're in battle. God has sent this great angel to help this man. This hellish presence that's ruling the land is not letting this angel get through. Well, guess who you call when you got trouble with ugly angels? Well, you don't. I mean, he does. 21 days and behold, Michael. Boy, when, listen, Michael makes Rambo look like Mr. Rogers. 
When Michael shows up, things happen. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, what does chief princes mean? One of the three great archangels came to help me. I'd been left alone there with the king of Prussia. What happened? He gets in this great angel, gets in a battle with the demonic power over Persia. He can't get to Daniel to help him. So he sends word, send, send Michael down here. And Michael comes, and I mean, it hits the fan. It is on, buddy. And so Michael cleans house, which lets this angel get through. Is this crazy or what? I mean, I know there's a spirit realm around us. You say, that's stuff going on around me at the Walmart and the K&W. And... Friend, this is God's word revealing to us as we look at the things that are not seen, which is the real world out there or the eternal world. All right. Verse 14, now I've come to make you understand what's going to happen. Do you see what happened right there? So this teaches me from Scripture right here. I can't command, I can't say, angels, go, go do this, go do that. But I can pray to God. And I can pray for my family and I can pray for my church. I can pray for my community. And the Bible teaches you and I that he will give his angels charge. I can't tell them what to do. I talk to him and he sends his angels. And ain't, listen, ain't, people are nervous about the demonic presence. Tell me who wins right here. I want you to believe greater is he that's in me than the darkness over this world. And uh, yes, darkness is real. Darkness is tough. But I'm going to tell you something. Light trumps darkness every time. <clears throat> well, let, let's look at one more verse 20. Then the angel, after he told me what he was going to do, verse 20 said, then he said, do you know why I've come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I've gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. What did he say? I came down here to help you. Now I'm going back and I'm going to take on the prince of Persia again. I'm going to go back and do battle with the, what is the prince of an area? We read in Ephesians 6, there are prince, there's a principality over the United States right now ruling this land. Who is it that takes on these principalities? When we pray, God sends his angels in his presence to deal in the spirit realm. You know what it takes to fix this nation right now? You say a new president, a new Congress, a new Supreme. It would take the spirit of God moving on what's ruining this nation over the atmosphere. Go in the spirit realm and you'll fix it. And that's why the scripture teaches you and I that we pray in this matter and we trust him in this thing. All right, let's, let's, right, let me wrap all this up by saying this. Why do you need a biblical worldview? Why do you need to see stuff like this? Dear ones, if the print, if, if your problem with your teenager is not that they're stupid, what if it's the prince of the power of teenagers? And you're trying to fix it down here. What if the problem's in the spirit realm? Do you understand this? The visible realm is controlled by the spirit realm. You fix the visible by dealing in the spirit. It's called prayer. It's called prayer. All right, let me, let me point this out to you. Biblical worldview, here's what happens. You'll understand this. I can't change a thing on this planet except in the spirit. And uh, let me tell you several things you need to do. Number one, you need to change sides. Everybody needs to change sides. You're on one side or the other. All God's chilling. Nope, everybody belongs to one of the two of them. Now, people get ill when you talk about people being sons of the devil. What does the Bible say? 1 John chapter 3 says this, In this, the sons of God and the sons of the evil one are made plain. And if you're still a child of the devil, and I don't care if you're the nicest person on the planet and give away flowers. You need to change sides. And you need to, what, first, what Colossians 1.13 say, you need to be transferred from the powers of darkness into the kingdom of his son. You got to change sides. And of course, most of us in this room on a Wednesday night, we've already changed sides. <clears throat> Let me tell you this. And boy, this is, this is so contrary to American Christianity. You may have changed sides, but you have to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
You, you don't have to be perfect. You have to make up your mind, I'm going to honor God. Jesus is my Lord. Dear ones, let me tell you what I learned from the seven sons of Siva. Don't know who they are. There's some guys who decided they wanted to cast out demons, but they weren't right with God. And the Bible said the, these seven sons, and they were minister sons, figures, and they wanted to cast out this demon. So they said, we command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. And the Spirit said, how many of you believe spirits will speak? They said, I know Jesus. They said, we know Paul. Evil spirits know who walks with God. And he said, but who are you? And the Bible said the evil spirit jumped on them and they, <clears throat> all seven of them ran out of the house wounded and naked. That thing beat the britches off of them. <laughs> what does the Bible teach me and you right there? You've you got to be under God's authority. You have, he who abides under the shadow of the Almighty will dwell safely in the secret place. You've got to live there. And we need to get under authority and, and live under authority but dear ones, we, we need to pray. We need to pray. How many of you ever went to pray and you, your, this thought came into your mind? I wonder if this is doing any good. That's a principality right there. Listen, when you, you can go to church. Devils don't like it, but they don't really mind. You can be good. They don't like it, but they don't really mind. But you bow your knee and begin to pray. Alarms go off in hell. They hate prayer above everything else because they know Prayer is what brings the kingdom of God down and destroys our empire. You need to pray when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. You need to pray for your family on days when you feel real holy and days when you ain't doing so good. You need to pray when it makes sense and when it don't. You need to pray, for, you need to pray when there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And you need to pray when you're as confused as a termite in a yo-yo. It don't matter. You need to pray and pray over your family and pray over your kids and your grandkids. And oh gosh, pray over your preacher. And as, as we pray and worship, that's what changes things in the spirit realm. How would you like to get to heaven and find out, why didn't you help me? And him say to you, you have not because you asked not. We've got to be a people. We've got to get back to the Bible and prayer in this generation. Right, let me give you an example of this and we're done. <clears throat> You'll look at it sometime. You change everything around you by prayer by going in the spirit realm. For example, I'll just tell you, in Acts chapter 16, there was a guy named Paul. His friend was named Silas. They went to preach the gospel. They cast the demon out of a little girl that was a soothsayer. You know, she was one of them people. You see them on the roadside stand, palm readers, that type thing. I told you we had one in our neighborhood years ago, and I was going to write repent. And my palm said, read that palm right there. I think it's one you ought to read there. But there she was a palm reader. So they cast the evil spirit out of her. And listen, a demonic hellish presence came down on that community. Anger, violence, they grabbed them, they beat them. I mean, there was a hellish tension in the air. That was the presence of the demonic. They put him in jail. They locked him in the stocks. It was dark. That's, that's not Jesus. That's not the Spirit of God. You see, they made them people mad. That was a demonic activity because that dark spirit saw what was going on in that city and saw what was about to happen. Anytime you walk with Jesus, you can expect dark resistance. But you can also expect Mr. Clean to come on the scene if we'll pray. All right. I just want to know, I want you to know Mr. Clean's greater than Mr. Dark. You know Mr. Clean. Is anybody old enough to remember Mr. Clean? That's, that's my angel. Mr. Clean, that's what he looks like. All right. All right, now here we are. There's a hellish atmosphere. Have you ever been in a place where people say the tension was so thick you'd cut it with a knife? That's what was going on in there. That's demonic. I mean, I mean a little fuss, that's human... But that demonic anger, hatred, rage, that's hell. That's hellish. All right, they're, they're suffering. They're hurting. 
This is what the Bible said in verse 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing praise hymns to God. Why would you pray and sing to God in the middle of that mess? Because these men understood, this is not what I see out here. This is coming from what I can't see. Let me go back again. We look not at the things which are seen, the things which are not seen. And they knew to fix what we see, we got to go up here where you can't see. So they began to worship God and pray to God. And when they began to do that, what happened? All of a sudden, something happened. The atmosphere changed. Their chains fell off. The doors flew open. The jailer who had beat them mercilessly got on his knees and begged for forgiveness and asked how to get saved. Their stripes were healed. They turned them loose. The entire atmosphere of that community was changed by two men doing what? Praying and worshiping. They went into the spirit realm and they dealt with that situation like that. Now, what would the, what would the modern preacher do if that happened to him? He'd call his lawyer and get a petition up. We're going to fight this on a flesh and blood level. They knew you deal with this stuff in the spirit realm. Listen, if you're struggling with your family, go in your closet and close the door and talk to your God and let him fix the situation. Let me show you one more verse about how we do this in Romans chapter 8. I love this verse right here. This verse should turn everything around in the spirit realm. Have you ever had a place where you didn't even know how to pray? Like about every time you pray. I'm not going to be unkind, but let me tell you something, guys. We don't want to just be religious and waste our time. We want this to work. And you don't want to just beat around the bush and holler out whatever comes to your mind. We want to hit it. Our family's futures depend on our prayers. I believe the future of this nation depends on people praying. It don't take everybody praying in this nation. It just takes a little handful praying. God will move on this nation. What did our great father, what did he tell Abraham of that wicked? Listen, Sodom was pretty wicked. What did he tell Abraham? You find me five righteous men, I'll spare the whole city. It just takes a little remnant of people that love God and pray to change the course of a nation. And we got them in this nation right now. People are praying for this nation to be changed. Everything is changed through prayer. And you find that in Romans chapter 8. What a wonderful passage here. See if you agree with this. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. Tell me what the Spirit does. What does the Bible say the Holy Spirit does right there? He helps me. But what do I have to have for Him to help me? Weakness. He don't help me if I'm strong. But if I've got a weakness, He'll help me. They should, they, somebody should name Him the helper. What's the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit in the spirit realm that I can't see? Does he come into the physical realm and help me? The Holy Spirit will help me when I don't know what I'm doing. He's our helper. He helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Amen. Lord, my husband's so stupid. Help him to... I don't even know what to ask you for him. Lord, he's just so ignorant. Help him. I don't even... You ever been there? Don't, don't, don't say nothing. Don't say amen or nothing like that. We really don't know how to pray about stuff. I don't know how to pray for my children. I know what I'd like to see happen from Scripture. I don't know what God wants to do for you as, and your families. I don't have to know. I need a helper to pray with me. He helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit Himself jumps in there and makes intercession for us or with us. What does the Bible say right there? When I set my face to pray, the Holy Spirit gets in there with me. And it's like the Holy, like I get out on my knee to pray 
and the Holy Spirit comes and gets on his knee right beside me, puts his arm around me, and I'm saying, Father, I pray for these people in my church. I love them. I don't want them suffering. I want their families to do well. I want them to hear your voice. I want them to be delivered. And the Holy Spirit's going on, and he's right there with me talking. He's saying what, he, what, he really, what he's really saying, Father, what he's really saying. He gets down there, and he interprets my heart to the Father. He'll do that for you over your children. Pray for your children. You say, I, I don't... You, don't worry about not knowing what to say. Pour, the scripture says this, pour your heart out to God. The Holy Spirit will get in there with you and help you. Watch what happens. With groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts, which is God Almighty, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I get in, I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for my community, the leaders in my community. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to ask for. And I just pour my heart out. He gets down and he talks to God. What is an intercessor? Somebody that talks to somebody for you. When I pray, the Spirit of God gets in there and helps me pray over my church, my community, my family, my own mess. He knows what to pray. And he prays the perfect will of God for me. That's why I want to throw, I'm, this is not about, so I want to throw this in here. That's why praying in the Spirit is so important. You beat around the bush, I don't even know what I'm praying for. Take over and let him do it. All right, what happens when we do that? That's verse 28. Verse 28 says, And we know all things work together for good because we love God and we're called according to His purpose. Now, a lot of people separate verses, verse 28 and claim that. You can't separate 28 from 26 and 27. If you don't pray and let the Holy Spirit help you, all things are not going to work together for good. Let me quote 28 exactly from the way it's written in the original language. Then we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those that love him. When does God get involved in my life and start moving things around and make them work together for good? When does he do it? When even when I don't know how to pray, I get down and pour my heart out to him and the Holy Spirit prays with me and then God moves in my situation. Can you see it clearly? What does the Bible say? We deal in the spirit realm to affect the visible realm and to help people. I maybe believe it's important to pray and to cry out. Do this. You need to be aware of both worlds. You need to be aware that there's a physical world and I see the physical world. I look at it. I walk in it. Don't get weird on me. Don't get spooky. Don't be looking for a spirit behind every flat tire. Enjoy your life. Eat, 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 eat banana bread. I mean, go to the ball game. Dance. Watch, watch clean stuff. Smile. Live in this world. But realize there's another one right here all around us. And you got both feet. In, you got both feet in both. And understand, always interpret what you see in the visible world by what's going on in the spirit world, and you change the physical world by going into the spirit world in prayer. Would that we had so much confidence in our God and His Word, we want to reach the place where when something happens, we don't even want to talk about it. We just say, "I'm gonna to go to my closet. I'm gonna go pray, and I'm gonna go pray." And me and you're not even gonna talk about it. I'm not gonna to touch it. God will fix it. And we go pray. And how many of you believe that God's waiting on you in the closet? By closet, I mean any private place you go to pray. You believe he's in there? Have you ever seen him? I have a little office behind my house where I go. I'm going to show you one more verse. We got, we got time. The Methodists are still doing everything. Turn there to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. I'm sorry, 6. Matthew 6. I go to pray during the day, and you, you can pray in your car, your truck, bathroom, closet, 
behind the barn. But you have got to go somewhere and pray. Angels weep over the fact that they can't help us. And let me tell you something. Say, so, well, if there's angels are here, why do bad things happen? You listen to what I'm fixing to teach you from Scripture. Angels cannot override your will. They'll, they'll encourage you. They'll help you. They'll prompt you. But God Almighty gives you a free will, and angels will respect your free will. And if you drive at 90 miles an hour and crash and get hurt, it's not their fault. It's because you exercised your free will to do that. And when bad things happen, it's not because our angels were asleep on the job. We exercised our free will against the will of God. And we get in trouble there. And I love this verse. Guess where God lives at? Guess where God lives at? Does anybody know? I'm going to tell you. He lives in the office behind my house. What are you laughing about? You think I'm not going to show it to you in the scripture? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Look with me in Matthew chapter 6. The Bible said this. <clears throat> Look all the way verse 6. Matthew 6, 6. When you pray, go into your room. And when you shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. Tell me where God lives. He lives in that office behind my house. He lives in the bathroom where you meet him at. He lives in your truck where you go meet him at. Tell me where God's waiting on you at. Who is in the quiet place. And what does the Bible tell me and you to do? Go in there alone with him. Go in your room. When you pray, go in your room. Shut the door. What's shut the door mean? Shut the world and everybody out. This is you alone. Shut everybody out. Pray to your father who is in the secret place. Watch this. And your father who is watching in the secret place. If I go to a secret place and pray, is he looking? Does he see in that secret place? What will happen if I pray? What does it say? He will reward you publicly. He'll touch your family. He'll touch your community. God will do it. Where's he at? He's waiting in the quiet place for somebody to come and pray so he can affect things in the visible world. Don't yell but me. Let's just say amen. That's a done deal right there. Father, I just want to praise you and thank you. The presence of the Lord is so wonderful in our lives. I thank you that we live in a visible world that we're very familiar with, but your word opens a window into a spirit world that surrounds us all the time, and it's a world of light and darkness and activity. And uh, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we would take the dark side of the spirit world seriously, but I pray in Jesus' name for everybody in here a revelation of the light side of the spirit world the beauty of Christ, the power of the angels that surround us all the time. Thank you for this. I've thanked you times for this angel that walks with me all the time and protects me. I, I have no idea how many times he's done things for me. He's probably asked you for a transfer, having to look after me all this time, but I thank you for him. I praise you and thank you that your word says that you are waiting in the secret place for us to pray. And when we pray in the spirit realm and we pray in the, pray in the secret place, things happen in the public. Thank you for that. Thank you for every person that's here tonight. Thank you for the goodness of our Lord. One day when the eyes of our hearts are fully open and we see everything the way it is, we will fall on our faces and declare worthy is the Lamb. We will see the beauty of God for who you are and we will worship you for all of eternity. Thank you for a Father who has smiled on his people. We give you the praise and glory in the blessed name of Jesus we pray. Amen.